Thanks for tuning in to Multipliers Minute. Here with your leadership key, I'm Emily James, founder of Multipliers Leadership. These leadership lessons will empower you to develop your passion and multiply your influence so you can lead well. Welcome to Multipliers Minutes. Here I am with the Stories That Empower series. Another special guest is on today. Jason's really going to be talking to us about his culture changers movement and what he's doing there and how to build healthy and good uh, cultures and relationships in teams and organizations. But we're going to talk about some specifics in that area. So Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Thanks, Emily. It's exciting to be here and excited what you're doing with the multipliers. Thank you. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and then also about the culture changers movement and what you're doing right now? Yeah. You know, I've been in ministry uh, on and off. I have this interesting journey that God has had me on since I graduated Bible college in 1995. Um, And uh, the journey has been uh, as a missionary with Youth for Christ Toronto for almost six years. I was a part-time youth pastor doing cross-cultural missions and uh, youth work with the Koreans for four years, traveled itinerantly for a few years as well, and over the last number of years have been in pastoral ministry here in the Brampton area. I'm married. My wife is also a pastor, and I have two great kids. Uh, My daughter's 13, and my son is 10. Awesome, and so tell us a bit about the Culture Changers Movement and what you're doing there. Yeah, this is a new, movement. It's a new initiative that has been on my heart for the last a couple years. And uh, so I just felt this was the right time to launch. And not just because um, of everything that's been going on uh, in, in our world the last few months, especially in the area of racial reconciliation mm-hmm. and racial injustice that we're seeing happen. Uh, the Culture Changers is about inspiring uh, people's faith so that they live with moral excellence Mm-hmm. Um, with biblical justice to impact our world with the love of Jesus out of Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. And really the movement is to uh, educate the church, not to say I'm the best educator or teacher, but I feel like God's called me to, to take on this initiative of how we can look into scripture and look at what does the Bible say about racial injustice? Mm-hmm. How did the church uh, deal with it? How did they uh, confront it? What were their failures? And what are some things that we need to do uh, now to look at uh, some of the historical perspectives, even of the church? When I say the church, I'm meaning the uh, church in North America specifically, but even um, some denominations have really failed at stepping up to the plate. And how do we look at the historical fact and look at what what we can learn and move ahead so that we can be reconcilers like the Apostle Paul? So let's talk about that a little bit. What would you say to someone who's maybe listening, they're leading, maybe they're a pastor, maybe they're leading in the church, they're on the board, or they're even a volunteer at their church, and they think, uh, I don't have racist thoughts, I'm not a racist, Um, we don't deal with that at our church, oh, we're a very multicultural church, so we don't have to think about this. What would you say to someone who might be thinking that? You know... It's interesting that you would ask that question. I've had a number of conversations with uh, friends in ministry uh, from from a wide variety of churches. And I would say to them that that mindset needs to be readjusted because scripture doesn't teach us that. If we go back into the book of Acts, for example, 
we look at in Acts chapter 6, our very first example of racial injustice in the church, where we have um, uh, Hebrew Jews uh, and Greek-speaking Jews have this issue of distribution of food. Actually, in the, in the New Living Translation, it says uh, discrimination happening. But we've never asked ourselves the question, who was actually distributing the food so that Hebrew-speaking Jews were getting more than Greek-speaking Jews? It was the apostles. It was Peter, James, John, uh, you know, Simeon, like these guys who were the apostles were causing this racial injustice in the church, even though the church was growing exponentially, they were in unity, uh, they were sharing and seeing God do tremendous things. Thousands of people were coming to faith in, in Jesus, but at the same time, from Acts chapter two to Acts chapter six is five years, and in a matter of five years, a racial issue was about to divide the church. Mm. So wow. the church, so if the church was dealing with it shortly after Jesus ascended to heaven, we are dealing with it now. And regardless of what your church looks like, there might not be people that are termed racist, but definitely do have prejudice or discriminatory mindsets towards people. And I have a whole thing that I've developed that I'm going to be releasing. I just, uh, just launched this movement two weeks ago and we'll be doing weekly uh, videos just to help people journey along to process and look at what are the steps we can do every week to be culture changers. Okay, let's talk about some of those steps. So let's talk first from an individual level of I attend church or I'm, you know, just in my own life. I'm not necessarily the leader of the church or maybe I have a leadership capacity, maybe I don't. What are some steps that I can take. And then let's talk about from a pastoral or um, high level leadership in churches. If you're at that place, what are some steps that you can take? So first let's talk from an individual level. Like how can we be aware of these things? What do we need to think about and what can we do? Do you know, I think it's absolutely critical, um, Emily, when we look at just as an individual showing up to church and who loves Jesus we have we've really got to understand a key component of what changes our mind and transforms our heart and that's god's word mm. god's you know the average christian reads god's word on a daily basis i think the number is somewhere between 11 and 15 percent the average believer reads god's word so wow. we really need to be lovers of god's word because mm -hmm. god's word uh, transform our heart and our mind and with that if if we're not you know, just getting into God's word and, and allowing it to just soak in and change us. We're going to be caught with every social movement, with every feeling, every offense that's out there. And really it's the word of God that guards our mind from that. That's why, mm -hmm. you know, we're put on our helmet of salvation. We look at the armor of God, but if we're not into God's word, and I know that is maybe too spiritual for some people, but the reality is, is that if we don't think like God thinks, we'll never speak like God speaks and mm -hmm. we'll never live like how God has in instructed us to live. And I think that is a super major component. The next thing is, is I really believe that we need to look at what does it really mean to love our neighbor as ourselves? And we've got to be bridge builders. We have to be reconcilers. The apostle Paul, his, well, let, let me backtrack here. Jesus mm -hmm. demonstrated reconciliation throughout his entire ministry. Um, along with preaching the word, but the apostle Paul, uh, who I see as a significant culture changer in the New Testament, really began to build bridges with people. And um, I grew up in church where 
I stayed, you know, we were taught, you know, don't go near people that don't know Jesus. You know, you'll just, you know, bad company yeah. corrupts good, good character. And, but we need to begin to build bridges with people so that we can understand mm -hmm. people. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes. That's so good. So as a pastor, what could I do to help, uh, as a church be like as a local church that represents that? As a leader, now that is a loaded question because, <laughs> um, you know, depending on that, that leader's experience and maybe even their ethnicity and the demographic of their church, uh, who they're ministering to as a leader, I think it's time that we stop being afraid of dealing with cultural issues mm. that might stir the pot. And mm. I yeah. think this is where as a leader, we have failed. And this is including myself as well. I've shied away from some issues uh, out of fear of uh, not trying to intentionally stir the pot, but maybe even offend people. And the reality is, is that Paul offended a lot of people, even including the apostles, the pillars of the church, you know, the head honchos of the church, because he really was the first guy that began to tackle racism and the injustice between Jews and Gentiles, the apostles contributed to it. So I think we need to tackle these issues and look at the balance of what is risk versus reward. Mm. People are hungry for truth. People are hungry for justice. And if we're seeing activists who are motivated with the wrong um, things that people are following and the church is silent, people in the church will follow the loudest voice. Mm. So as a leader, mm -hmm. we need to be the loudest voices motivated yeah. by the love of Jesus to reconcile people and see hearts transformed. It's bringing people back to the gospel. I love it. It's so good. And it's so important as leaders to have that as a center focus in terms of who are the people that we're shepherding, who are the people that we're leading, who are the people we want to reach, right? And there really isn't a people, it is people, right? But at the same time, it's not shying away from those things that are going to, could disrupt the norm or could cause controversy in a sense, but it's being true to who Jesus is and who he was, you know, as he led people and who he is. And it's so important, you know, to be aware of that as leaders, as we're leading. So how as, you know, again, this is going back to both from a personal level and a leader. What do we do if we have people in our life who are deeply hurt and wounded by church or by how they felt like the church responded to certain racial injustices? How do we help them? How do we, what do we do as leaders, as people who may have those people in our life? Emily, I'm a biracial person. I'm Guyanese and I'm German. Uh, just so that listeners understand a little bit of my heartbeat on this and the context of what I'm saying things you know, my mom's white, blonde hair, green-eyed German. My dad is dark-skinned Indian. I, I've grown up in a very multicultural family. Mm -hmm. So my experience is shaped on some things that I'm even sharing now on the podcast. And I've experienced racial injustice. And I've been hurt in the church uh, by that. Um, I'm not fueled by that. 
I think I have an extra sensitivity to it because I've been hurt by it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that um, for people that have been hurt, I think as leaders, we have to walk people through understanding um, what Jesus really did on the cross. And there is a few things that that sort of go through my mind is we really need to demonstrate grace, forgiveness, and love. Mm -hmm. And we need to help walk our people in that as well. And let me give you an example. I, you know, it's so easy to be angry and frustrated at the church of how the church has handled this. And if I can say this from a, from a theological uh, perspective, I come from more of a, a Pentecostal background. If you read any theological uh, textbook or most theological textbooks on Pentecostal theology, it'll tell you that the church has always been late to the party on social justice issues. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, right now I'm taking my master's uh, in uh, theology and uh, pastoral leadership. And uh, just a class that I had last week, we were talking about this very same issue. How do we lead through this? And, you know, we've got to give grace because if the church didn't get this, right after Jesus ascended, we're not going to get it now. Why? Because sin is complex. The heart is complex. Our humanity is complex. And it's only Jesus that can redeem that. And here's the challenge is some people claim to be Christian and love Jesus, but they carry racist mindsets. And I've met yeah. people like that. And we need to continue to journey with people and not cancel people out. And that's our culture today, cancel culture. So as a leader, we don't want to cancel people out. We want to walk with people, show mm -hmm. them in scripture yeah. and allow the word of God to illuminate and bring that to people's hearts and minds. So it changes them. Amazing. So good. It's so important to have these conversations with people too, who are, who do feel her, who maybe expressed it. I know recently I had a leader who uh, you know, we had a really good heart to heart in terms of what she was dealing with. And it was a moment for me where, you know, we really got to allow ourselves that conversation or that time to understand where people are at and what's going on so that we can effectively come alongside them so that we can, you know, you know, in whatever way that we can sort of journey with them through that process. And, and for that, for, I know this leader, cause they expressed it to me, the, that moment for them was in their heart, this moment of, even though that it wasn't between her and I, what had happened, it, it had nothing to do with me. It had happened years ago, but there was this moment even for her where she saw this level of reconciliation of saying, I know this is what happened to you, but you know, I love you. God loves you. And, and you're able to have those moments with people. And I think that's so important as leaders. And when we shy away from it, we miss those moments. And so that can be really hard for the people that need it as leaders, even if we weren't the ones who maybe were a part of that hurt or, uh, you know, what happened there. So what would you say to, um, you know, again, individuals, leaders, pastors who maybe aren't a, like, they don't think that they have any prejudice. Like, can we practically look 
and discover, hey, is there something actually that maybe I don't even see? How do we do that? You know, that is so hard, Emily. And, you know, there's a few things, you know, as you talk about that, there's three things that I'm looking to develop. Um, and I've been praying and researching. Many of us are culturally aware of issues that are happening. Many of us aren't culturally sensitive to that, to those awareness, wow. nor, mm -hmm. and many of us have a difficult time connecting the cultural awareness, the cultural sensitivity to um, what I'm sort of calling, and I'm not sure if this is the right word yet, cultural intelligence mm -hmm. of how to take those next steps of how to deal with things. And the reality is, is that as a leader, you know, it's important for us to ask questions and to create space to hear from people. And yeah. we've been afraid in the church to open forums and opportunities for people to express what they feel or what they're going through. And I think part of the fear is well, we don't all of a sudden want to create a group of complainers in the church or negative people because all of a sudden there's going to be a negative spirit or a complaining spirit that goes to the church. But the reality is, is that there's people hurting that are broken. If they can't share it in the church and with leadership, and we've not created a safe space for that, then have we done our job as a leader? If the church is supposed to be, be a place for the brokenhearted and for the wounded, it's mm -hmm. not just about mm -hmm. Jesus touching people's lives. It's about coming in, being a part yeah. of a community where you belong before you behave. Yes. So that even if you're frustrated and you are lashing out and you're angry, hey, let's sit and talk and find out what the root of that is so we can walk together so we can bring you to healing. And, and I, one of my friends shared that term with me. We want people to belong before they behave. Mm -hmm. But we've said you need to behave before you belong. So you need to comply to how we do things here. And I think if we mandate that wow. within our culture or whether we say it or not, I think it's in the church. And this is why people aren't flocking to the churches because they know yeah. that uh, they have to behave before they belong. Mm, so good. I love that, Jason. They can belong before they behave. So in sort of in the same lines, how as leaders do we navigate, and this can be racial injustices, this could be, you know, I, I just, this year has seemed to sort of uproot the defensiveness and the argumentative side of things, I just feel like, like no matter what it is, whether you feel COVID is a hoax or COVID is real, whether uh, you feel like we should be saying black lives matter or all lives matter, whether you feel like these are the things, I mean, even the parents that decided to send their kids back to school versus the parents that did online, it just feels like there's this constant sort of, um, you know, I, I'm defending my, my perspective, my view, or I'm fighting for this. And so how do we navigate as leaders when we're dealing with teams or a lot of people for a pastor at a church, or we have a large team or whatever it might be, how do we navigate people in the same space, the same church or the same team and having such differing views and, and opinions? Yeah, that's a, that's a difficult thing. I don't, I don't feel like I even have a grasp on that. And, uh, but even in, in my own experience in ministry, uh, for example, over the last uh, four or five months, 
uh, has been difficult because the church that I am a pastor in, um, 90% of, uh, we're in a very multicultural church, let me say that. We have over 70 different nations. We're very visibly ethnically diverse, mm. um, about 95% visibly skin color diverse. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had to have some very hard conversations as a team of how we tackle this because we have differences even as a team of how we're to tackle this. Um, you know, my senior pastor is a phenomenal guy and him and I have chatted and we've had, uh, you know, how do we tackle this? And there's different perspectives that he feels are very important, which, which I agree with. And then he also is listening to me because we're dealing with different generations as well. We're dealing with different ethnicities of people that are in this same space. And I think the most important thing is that we need to help people understand. And I'm bringing us back to scripture here because Mm -hmm. as a leader, as a, as a Christian leader, we need to understand that love covers a multitude of sins. And, and, and I think it's important for us as leaders to make sure that we are gentle in our words uh, that we're uh, constantly trying to reiterate what Jesus did and how Jesus did things, but as well, understanding that we all have failures and faults and we're not going to get it. And, you know, I, you know, it's like being married. You could have a very strong opinion and be very right, but yet be very wrong. Mm -hmm. And you've got to work through those differences. And that's even more complex when you have more people in the room dealing with that. And some people might leave, you know, as a result of that. And uh, I mean, I've had people unfollow me, even on my personal page since I started the culture changers because yeah. they don't agree with the philosophy of it, but that's okay. Um, but, um, but, but God's not called us to argue about things. We need to talk about things and we need to mm-hmm. do it with love, with humility and with respect. Yeah, that's good. With love, humility, and respect. We always say we have this saying in our church in the essentials, we have unity in the non-essentials. We have Liberty and above all else, like overall we have love. Right. And that's really what it comes down to when you're talking at the beginning about what it is to love our neighbor and to love each other. And, and that's respect, that's humility, that's integrity. So, so important. Thank you, Jason, for opening up this conversation and having this from a leadership perspective. It's often something we don't think about. We're either, you know, want to avoid it, or we think we don't need to bring it up, or we think it's not an issue. But as leaders, this is something that we have to be willing to talk about, to have conversations about, and to deal with even in our own personal life. So, you know, I know that you're developing more uh, in your uh, culture changers movement, in your, this is the heart that you want to reach leaders and churches with this content. So how can people find out more about you and the culture changers movement if they want to? Um, well, two weeks ago, I've launched on Instagram, so they can find me at the Culture Changers on Instagram or even on my personal page, jpatper. Uh, and just this morning, I've put out a notice on Facebook uh, under my name, Jason Prasad, that I'm going to be launching the movement on Facebook and creating content to help old understand how to connect the dots with younger gen leaders as well. So um, they can find me on those two platforms mostly. Awesome. And we'll make sure to link uh, those on our podcast notes and also when we post on social media. So they'll be right there. So make sure to follow Jason and get more content on how to do this. If you could leave one or two takeaways for someone listening today, what would it be? 
I think the greatest takeaway that I could leave uh, just encouraging leaders and people is that let's continue to love people, to love God and to love people the way that Jesus has instructed us. Let our heart be overflowing. Let our words be seasoned with grace in difficult conversations and uh, the things that we're facing in our world today, even in politics, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. let it be seasoned with grace and with love. And you said something key, Emily, let it not unite us. I mean, let it not divide us. Let Mm -hmm. let's protect unity so that it ignites us Mm -hmm. to reach people for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. I so appreciate you being on today. I think this is such an important conversation for us to have as leaders. So thank you. Thanks, Emily. Appreciate all you're doing. Thank you for listening to our Multipliers Minutes, where we discuss leadership keys that will empower you to develop your passion and multiply your influence. For more, check out www.multipliersleadership.com.